You're listening or watching the best barbecue show, and I am here at Cali's Sandwich and Fast Food with Mr. Mighty Joe Yim. How's it going, Joe? It's going good, man. I'm uh, glad I'm able to make a podcast now. <laughs> well, you've been on a few times, but this is your chance to uh, to tell your story. Yeah. You don't have to share the mic with anyone else. <laughs> so, <clears throat> you've been uh, you've been cooking for a long time. You just finished a shift, didn't you? Yeah, uh, I just got off of a rib shift, so I got off at around eleven o'clock, and then got to grab lunch. So, yeah, we had some pho and some sticky rice, oh, yeah. and uh, do you feel like you know, you lived in Austin for a while, now you're in Houston. Do you like the food culture of, of Houston? It's, it's kind of, it's a little more diverse, and it's a much bigger city. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think initially, you know, being from Chicago and being such a diverse city, uh, that's one of the things I actually missed after being in Austin for a year. Um, I love, the one thing that I really got into um, being in Houston is actually Thai food. Thai food is really? one of the things that uh, I really enjoyed a lot. Um, you know, it's all those, like, small mom-and-pop joints, like, one of my favorite restaurants is a mini restaurant that's inside of a grocery store. What? Uh, Where? Uh, it's on like Main Street, I think. What's it called? I don't really know the name <laughs> of the place, but I'll let you, you know. You just know how to get there. Yeah, that's exactly. what's important. But that's awesome because don't you think part of, you know, if you just cook barbecue and went home and ate uh, Hungry Man's, it wouldn't be as fun as like when you go out and, and you're inspired by things, oh, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's really funny, actually. One of the things that inspired me to go to Texas for the first time was I remember watching the documentary Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Hell yeah. And he was, uh, uh, when they were doing like a family meal before service started, he, he mentioned, you know, in order for our cooks to make good food, they have to eat good food. And that's when I decided All right, I'm going to make my first trip to uh, Texas. <laughs> well, and you have been cooking a lot on your own. I know on your Instagram you do steaks and was that... Was there something that inspired that? Or you're just trying to work some other skills while you're honing your barbecue skills? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think with most barbecue guys, we, lo we just love food. Uh, you know, barbecue is just kind of that one thing that we fell into because it's fun. You know, it's usually we just like playing with fire and then there's meat on there. So there's some, some sort of reward at the end. Uh, but I think after, you know, nowadays there's so many cooks who understand and treat barbecue as a technique not just you know brisket ribs and sausage yep. and it kind of inspires you to figure out what other flavors are there besides these basic uh, flavors that normally come with barbecue with coleslaw and, and you know uh, potato salad and stuff like that and you know that's why I really try to cook a little bit more just trying to see um, you know what kind of other influences can you pair with barbecue that you know might seem different but at the same time familiar. And do you think, I saw you doing a bunch of steaks. I mean, I just love steak, yeah. so there's no, you don't need an excuse to make steak, but is that, <laughs> is that kind of an extension of brisket for you or what? Uh, I think so. I mean, it's just nice being able to cook something and not have it being overcooked. Yeah. <laughs> and not have to wait 12 hours and be able to get it done within 10 minutes, you know. Uh, so, and it's just kind of being able to test, you know, fa like flavor profiles, quickly and be able to try it again if you really wanted to 
uh, instead of me having to wait such a long time to test it again the next day. So. Have you seen uh, Have you seen the YouTube that Adam Savage and another guy did, a food writer? Oh yeah, with the d- different types mistakes. of searings. Yeah, they use like some crazy kiln or that like it cooks a steak in like yeah, one minute. Sure, like makes a beefer look slow. Yeah. Are you thinking about stuff like that? I have a you know the next time I come down, if you're ever in Austin. You can just bring a bunch of steaks over and play with the beefer Let's too. Let's do it, dude. Let's do it. Um, we'll yeah, make a vlog about it. It'll be cool. You know, it's just, I, I think it's, after barbecue for so long, I think there's different things. And Like for me, I'm not necessarily, you know, working at Terry Black's and Truth, um, I'm not really stuck to any one way of cooking certain things. You know, obviously there are things that we're looking for at the end. Uh, we want certain sort of rendering or a certain sort of tenderness yeah. on the brisket, but uh, I think there are things that you can play around with, like spiking temperatures at certain parts of the cook to get a different texture. Um, just kind of like how you get different levels of searing, not necessarily searing a brisket, but you're trying to coax out different sweetness out of the fat, depending on how it renders out. You know, the amount of salt and pepper that's mixed into it really does change, you know, everything in the end product. So. And do you, don't you think... I mean, you're, you're talking about spiking the temperature. Is that like 50 degrees for 10 minutes? Is that like 100 degrees for an hour? It's literally changing maybe 5 degrees at a certain part of the cook that really? you know you can, uh, at that t- part of the cook, you're able to bring a temp up without necessarily risking the end product. And how do you, you know, I, I've watched a lot of fires. I, yeah. I, I, I'm trying to cook as good as, as some of you guys, but... Do you feel like, is that just like, a, are you adjusting the wood? Are you just changing the airflow? I mean, that's not a huge change you're making. You're, like, is it just literally like adding splinters or what? Um, usually for me, it, well, it depends. There's certain, certain pit, like right now at Truth, we have five different pits. You know, we had the same thing at, at Terry Blacks. And so uh, each pit kind of draws differently. Each one needs a certain amount of, uh, certain like splits that work better sometimes you just need a really good coal bed and just a couple of splits to kind of get that same temp all the other ones you need to put a lot of wood in Uh, and sometimes it's even being able to push that that pile of wood just an inch further back into the pit to where it actually pulls and starts drawing so each pit's different uh, but in terms of um, how to mess with that sometimes we you know most people link and log it by putting two at the bottom two at top other times you can bundle fire it so you get a little bit more smoke, but you have a more rolling heat. So I wouldn't know. I wouldn't specifically say there's a, there's a right and wrong way to do it. It's just kind of you have to really know your pits and yeah. know what you're trying to get out of that fire. Okay, so I'm gonna go super super technical on yeah. you now. So you've got let's say you've been you you got the, some good coals going. Yeah. But there's no you're not linking logging. You just have two, like the the two logs that were kind of perpendicular to mm-hmm. you, were um they're down. They're they're coals. Now the two logs you put kind of facing the direction of the smoker yeah. are in the coals. Do you just stack on top of that? Do you, are you just kind of linking logging the whole way up? Or are you trying to turn it so that there's two, two logs always kind of facing towards the fire? Uh, it, honestly, it really depends. Depending on that, the base log, how deep it is inside that coal bed, sometimes it just sits there and, and gets black without, and it kind of kills the coals. So it really depends what type of splits you're using to start off and then it kind of you know, whether you have to pick it up, move it, bring the coals back to life before you throw something else on. So, you know. Do you, uh, do you have a favorite way? You guys just use a torch to start it or? Uh, I don't. I just like taking some butcher paper and dipping in some towel and starting it that. Okay. 
<laughs> well, and you're you're used to cooking enough where the fire is almost never out, right? You just always have coals. Usually, yeah. Uh, the rib shift sometimes we have to we might have to start from scratch, but it depends. Sometimes where cooks are short and then the fire dies, or sometimes they're extended and then we have some left over for the rib guy. I was excited because at the brewer's table I did a little guest cook and I got to pull coals. They have like an ash can, you know. Do you have to do that down here with the ash cans? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you have the ash can, and we dug out five or ten still hot coals from the night before and started the whole fire with that, which was really, it's a lot more work. Yeah. But it was cool to say, like, so I much never more lit satisfying. a match. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I tend not to like using the torch. Like, <laughs> I, I used to tell people back home whenever we would grill and they would use lighter fluid, I would call it cheater juice, um, you know, things like that, or a torch, or. Not to say that a torch is bad. It's just kind of fun being able to, like, start a fire from scratch and yeah. being able to, like, be like, I built this. You know, kind of like a, a castaway. Yeah. Like, I blew I on fire. one little coal yeah, until, exactly. it, until it lit this whole smoker yeah. up. Like, a thousand gallons of, you know, from, yeah. from my breath. <laughs> well, and so you, you've done, you know, have, have you tried to do the math on how many hours of cooking you've done? You're probably, a, you got to be in the 20s. Somewhere, ah, man, you, I, you blew past ten thousand hours like a I year hope ago. So. I, I don't know, but uh, I'll, I do. Uh, I have uh, Ziploc bags, and one is of Terry Black. So I basically took all my my time sheets that I print out at the end of the shift, and I saved them inside the bag. Uh, I, it was uh, started doing that a couple weeks into the job because uh, it was really difficult in the beginning. You know, moving to a new city, doing a completely different job. I honestly, the first day, I couldn't even get a fire <laughs> going properly. Yeah. And so, uh, to me, it was just kind of a thing to remind me, like, you have literally put hours and hours and hours into this job. Like, don't give up. Yeah. You know? It's watching the compiled. I mean, that that you can add up all those hours, but that doesn't really count every hour you were there you stayed there even after you were you punched out right yeah just to watch how things came out kind of yeah i'm always interested how things come out and there was <laughs> there was a day where i was finishing briskets and then uh one guy i guess was sick but like was too sick to let us know and there's no one there and i felt good so i was like all right i guess i'll do a rib shift after the words and this kind of you know i'm just i don't live here i'm trying to get as much experience as i possibly can yeah. and that's just what it is and do you think, you know, that's a different drive than most, a lot of people would say, well, you know, you, you told me th these hours I'm leaving at this time, no matter what, I'm not staying a minute longer. Uh, you have to have some, a certain desire. You have to have a passion for it if you're going to put that much time into it. Yeah. Um, I, I think with most people that do barbecue, you know, you have guys who, guys in barbecue restaurants that are in it for the barbecue you know those are the guys who don't mind working a full brisket shift because you know maybe something didn't go quite right the day before and they want to know for sure what might be the issue you know yeah. and then you have other guys not to say it's bad but they're just really good at just the beginning shift of brisket and then there are some guys that are really good at the finishing part and you need both i mean you can't have guys who are going to be working the entire brisket shift every day so you have to have guys who are really skilled at knowing like oh this brisket is ahead or if it's behind or it got too hot you know and a guy in the afternoon that looks at briskets might seem that it's fine but you know the morning guy might be like you know what it got a little bit too hot right there i, I just might be a little bit crispy but the afternoon guy might not know but the morning guy knows everything because he's just so skilled at that one spot well and that's 
that's kind of how the the cutter job is becoming more respected in barbecue because they realize the cutter has to know the feel. Oh yeah, they have to see. Oh, okay, this one still feels a little tight, yeah. but like obviously it's going to be okay. But maybe I'll move this one lower down on the queue, let it sit in the warmer right. for a little longer. But in general, are you guys like? Do you feel like the best way to cook a brisket is to kind of let it sit for a while before you serve it? Oh yeah, for sure. I, I mean, we've had, you know. We'll pull these briskets off, like the latest they'll come off is around 10 or 11 or so. Um, and, you know, they'll, we'll let them cool down for a couple hours and then they'll sit in the warmer until the next morning. Um, we've had briskets that we've had where we're just putting them in a cooler because we have to go to an event. Yeah. Uh, for example, like Red Dirt a couple yeah. months ago, as soon as those briskets came off, Reed and I had to like load those up and then drive them all the way there uh and they still turned out good you know it's just kind of those were good um, briskets i yeah. had a lot of those briskets <laughs> appreciate it uh but it's, you know it's it's you kind of have to make do with what you got you know there's a lot of guys that you know if they have a shammer warmer it's great you know uh, and then there are other guys who only have coolers and you got to make do what you can and sometimes you might have to if you're holding for an extended period of time you might need to put it in when it's a little bit hotter because if you let it cool down and then put it in there it might cool down too much so it's a little give and take. So much feel that you have to have. Well, the guy who grew, who grew the most, I think, the truth is, is Cole, Cole Parkman. Uh, Shout out to you, Cole. He's probably one of the guys that is super picky now. You know, if he knows that something's not quite right, he's not afraid to let us know. And, you know, he's really good at sorting through what's good, what's not great, what's the best, and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of nice to be able to make sure that whatever you put out there, that next guy is making sure the best portion of what you got is getting put on the tray. Well, and he's ambitious like you. You know, he wants to cut, but he wants to be in the pit room. Like, he wants to be oh, yeah. at every level of that job. Right. And I, I haven't, you know, I know Chris and some of the other guys are more ambitious about the hospitality end. Mm -hmm. You know, it seems like Cole gets that too, but I think he really cares about cooking and serving. And, oh, yeah. And he, uh, he also, like, usually he's off on Mondays, but he'll cook on Mondays too in his pit back home, so... And he's just got a great attitude. Oh, he's great. It's 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 cool to see so many good people in barbecue and the fact that, you know, I remember we were hanging out and he was helping start the ribs. Um, it wasn't even that long ago, but I just remember him doing something and the, I think the cap fell off the shaker or something <laughs> happened and there was just yeah. this one rib that was like, wait, and yep. <laughs> Leonard was just like, dear God, Cole. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you, you have to make those little mistakes. You have to... You have to know. It's like uh, when I was a kid, and we used to go to diners. We'd put like the, the we'd mess with the shakers, or we'd do something. And then from to this day, still I like double check the shakers <laughs> before I try to like put stuff because I know sure. someone unscrewed the cap or someone. There, there's trolls everywhere. Oh yeah. But luckily in barbecue, it's a it's a lot of great people. There's a lot of good people, you know, and uh, especially at Truth right now. I mean, we have a whole bunch of guys that really haven't really cooked barbecue before. You know, we have. Um, Reed and Fletch, they've both worked in a barbecue restaurants, but they're all kind of using, you know, Southern, uh, Southern Prides and stuff like that. And so for them to come in and to be as knowledgeable as they are now is great. Like I said, I, I, I cook good ribs today, but I'm not as consistent as Reed is. Really? Reed, Reed is, he's one of the best rib cooks that I've seen. So, so do you think he figured it out? some specific way or it's just from repetition i mean literally all i taught him to do is how to start a fire and you know we had 
in the beginning, we worked together for about two months, uh, the overnight shift, and he kind of made his own thing. You know, he'll he'll be like, you know, I didn't get enough uh, good enough color, so I changed this or that. Like, I didn't like the feel for this one, so I put it on for a little bit longer, or I did this differently. And he just, it's you know, it's one of those things that are exciting when you are. Like, again, I'm a barbecue nerd, so I love when yeah. people talk about these little details for that sure. they do. And it's just nice to be like, they're not just going to do what like some sheet says. You know, they're knowledgeable enough to have that, like that barbecue IQ to be able to do, you know what, today is a little bit different. I'm going to change the time I'm doing that, which is great. Uh, and the same thing with, with Fletch. You know, he's, he's our best like afternoon like, brisket pole guy. Like, yeah, he named himself magic fingers but after a couple after a couple months now we'll love have it <laughs> but he's just you know he has that right touch and now even like the guys that he's training are like yeah i'm just trying to get the same touch that he has which is great well and there's an ego check in barbecue for sure but if you can if you can create results then you, yeah. you can have kind of a fun name oh, yeah. you can play with there's a few of those out there i'm not going to say anyone specific <laughs> but there's there's some there's some serious ego in some of these barbecue uh instagrams but at the same time they show up and they do the work so yeah they earned it. Yeah. And it's cool that, you know, it's like it's like when you're with a bunch of people for a while, you get nicknames or, you know, these little things that we do as humans. I don't know why, but it just makes you that much more legit. You know, yeah. you're Mighty Joe Yim. And that's Evan Leroy's creation. Yeah. And that's just something that just we just took off. We badgered you with until yeah. you accepted. it. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't, I couldn't get away from it. You know, it was, people would only call like if it was my first time meeting him that's how they would approach me they would call me my joe yim so i was like all right i guess i guess i'm stuck with it so. oh man <laughs> it's uh it's beautiful though because it only comes from a place of love and it comes from this thing that sure. evan he started and and we all were just like absolutely like yeah. no and no, no point with someone like well he's like mighty might be we were all like yeah mighty joe that's <laughs> it done and and i like it because it it, it doesn't it's not supposed to be pompous, and I think that people, even if they are introduced to you that way, they'll see very quickly that like, it's like it's like having a it's like having like a king or someone. You know, they have power, but they're 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 not a dick about it. You know. I hope not. That's not what I'm trying to appear. <laughs> well, and and don't you think um, it's hard to be like a solo person in barbecue because, like, the first thing you wanted to do were, you know, 20 minutes in. And you already shouted out Reed, Fletch, like Cole, like it's all about the crew. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I mean, starting back at home trying to do this myself, you know, I, I <laughs> it's hard to do. Yeah. You know, anyone tries to, for anyone who does any small pop ups and or small pop ups, you know, doing brisket and ribs, it, it's a literal over twenty four hour job, and then you got to serve and you got to clean it. It just takes a lot, and. To have guys that you can rely on and who aren't going to just put out food just because that's part of their job, but really care about what it's going to be. And I mean, this is how I am, too. When I look at a slice of brisket and it's really good, I'm still looking at the rest of our brisket and seeing, okay, what went wrong with it or what can we fix? And they're all kind of the same way, too. Um, like Reed will... If, if I'm working the morning shift and, you know, he leaves for a shift, he'll, he'll shoot me a text, like, how do the ribs look today? You know, and uh, everyone wants to know that they're doing something that's great. Uh, and, you know, our standards are just are high and we keep, each, you know, we don't have to, like, keep each other in check because we know everyone is, it knows where the bar is set and we're all kind of on the same page now. Well, and don't you think, 
barbecue is so unique because it's this thing that no one no one gets tired of or at least the people who are into it they don't get tired of it there's all these channels that are literally it's just pictures of meat <laughs> and uh, I appreciate the people that are willing to share themselves and their story with it because I think it gives more value to it but mm-hmm. some of these guys you'll never know who they are because it's just like Mr. Awesome Meat videos or whatever right. and it's just half of it's you know reposts but the things that they do it's like this person just cooks ribs and brisket every day or they do this stuff and it's everyone wants to see you know i'm i'm on it constantly like i'd rather i'm more into the the cook cooks especially the texas cooks but i want to see like if you're going to show me brisket show me slices if you're yeah. going to show me ribs i want to see someone take a bite out of it right. like i want to uh, there, there's a big problem on reddit i actually i have a rant written already about this where on reddit people will be like hey check it out here's a pork butt like, can't wait to cook this. And then they, like, don't post, don't post for six it. months. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Like, you've got to show me the rest, yeah. bro. Don't just show me a raw exactly. piece of meat. Like, I, I hate it. And so there's a lot of lack of follow-through on all these things. Or, like, there's guys now that they know. Like, they'll even write in the comments, like, hey, best barbecue. Like, don't worry. Slices are the next <laughs> post, you know? Because I'm always like, where's the slice? Yeah, I mean, you want to see that. You know, because the thing is, when people usually post you know, it might be the finished product without it being sliced. You, they might have posted videos on like their Instagram story of like part of the cooking process. You know, and I'm the type of guy who's gonna freeze the video, look at everything, kind of look at how it's trimmed, what the temp actually says it is, because I want to know what they were actually doing to see what the result would come out to be. Uh, and so, like. I think every single time I post something, for example, a couple weeks ago, I posted a picture of, of, of like ribs being like in the, like pre-wrap. And I, right. was, I was saying a whole bunch of things that, you know, you can kind of predict where it's going to go, how that first part of the cook is, just because every single cook isn't going to be perfect. You know, you might have, I mean, if you're cooking 30 racks of ribs, you might have one that comes out perfect and then the other ones have something wrong with them. Not necessarily that's bad. It's just... Right how barbecue is not every ribs the same not every brisket is the yeah. same the bones yeah. might be bigger on one wrap yeah exactly and uh sometimes they're you know everyone normally says ribs are done when they pull off the bone but there are some ribs that they don't pull off the bone but they're still tender and if you wait until they pull off the bone then you're gonna overcook them exactly you know so it's like that kind of stuff that uh not that like those posts that i put are meant to be are for like educational purposes it's just for me to kind of let people know what I'm thinking during a cook. Well, and you, you give so much insight. I mean, you, 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 I don't think there's a limit on Instagram, but if there is, you know, you, you're putting paragraphs. Like, you don't yeah. realize, because Instagram shrinks it and you can just hit more or whatever. Yeah. But, like, when you hit more on your post, it's like, yeah. like it just takes up the whole screen. It's great because you're sharing the insight to your thoughts, to your methods, and you could learn, you could have epiphanies from barbecue just looking at your feed. So that's like a huge gift you're giving to the community, you know, your, your thousands of hours of experience. I mean, it's, it's always been like when I first started, it's not like I had any, I had any knowledge of anything. And I, like most people, I learned how to barbecue in the beginning just from watching YouTube videos, those Franklin videos yeah. and reading his book. Um, and you can only get so much information from that until you get a chance to work at a place where you're doing it every day. And uh, I've worked with so many people that, like, for example, like the first guy who trained me, uh, Joel Garcia, who's op- who was opening his own place, I think, soon, like Teddy's Barbecue. 
Like, he was the first guy that taught me what a bundle fire was because, in my mind, I thought you would always have to link and log everything because any YouTube video I saw, yeah. like, that's what they show. And he was like, stop doing that. I'm like, stop doing what? Like, because I was like, depending on the type of wood that you're using, you just can't do it because it's not going to burn properly. And when I saw him just chucking logs in there, I was like, he's going to burn all the meat. But it's just how you do it. And I didn't know that. And so from him teaching me how to do that, and then when I moved to the brisket shifts is when, like, Dylan joined us at Terry Black's. And, like, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I learned so much just from working with him and... It was what do you what do you think? What was what was some of the big shifts that happened after meeting Dylan? Uh, I don't know. It, it it wasn't necessarily he was doing anything differently. He just made it look a lot easier because I think I was being super nitpicky about certain things that I didn't need yeah. to, and he was just kind of more relaxed, you know. Uh, and he was saying, you know, he would show me like, you know, yeah, this part's important, but this is what you should look at more. Like this is more important than that. Um, Hell yeah, man. Just chill. Yeah, basically. And, you know, the funny thing is, like, he and I had met him initially in 2015 when I first did my my first road trip uh, to Texas when uh, he was at La Barbecue. And we literally, he wasn't there at that time. So I kind of walked by him as I was leaving. Uh, I was getting a, a pit tour from someone else. And we just crossed paths and we literally talked for two seconds. We, I, we took a picture. And then I just started talking to you know, him on Instagram. We've been talking to each other since, since then. Uh, and the fact that a couple of years later that we were working together was super cool. And it was kind of like something that we both talked about. Like, man, like it was just meant to be sort of deal. Uh, so, yeah, it was awesome. Well, and th- there is a, you know, there, there's a juju to, uh, to barbecue. Like, we, yeah. we all know from being in it long enough, like, there's a reason we all ran into each other. And who knows why. Right. But it's like, it's this beautiful thing of. It, you, the the world gets uh, the world gets much smaller once you get into a certain niche of barbecue yeah. but it's cool because everyone's in it for the same reason so i, I honestly uh, i relate it to skateboarding because it's a it's a place where everyone hangs out and they're all trying to get better at something yeah. but no one's really it's not competitive in the way that other things are competitive everyone's kind of when this guy does well you're psyched right. when you do well we're psyched yeah. like everyone's psyched about everyone's growth and i think that that's people don't realize like that's creative that's like that's like a healthy relationship to have with people you don't oh, yeah. have to put anyone down to win in fact you win more by helping everyone else win sure uh and i, I think it's so beautiful because that's the barbecue world i'm in and there's all these people talking shit and there's yeah. all this other stuff on the outside but if you look on the inside everyone's having a great time yeah it's uh i would say like when people ask me like what's what was my favorite part about moving here it has been just the people I've met. Like the community of barbecue is just so much different than I think what most people think about because I think from the outside, most people think of competition barbecue. Yeah. You know, and it's with those reality TV shows that come with it where, you know, they're always saying something about some other team. But uh, within the, at least within the restaurant business, at least like in Austin, Houston, it's kind of, we're rooting for someone else to, to do something different or to be listed somewhere or to get their, you know, get their name out there because we know how hard everyone's working and it's kind of, it sucks when one person isn't being recognized when other people are, you know, it's like everyone is kind of doing the same thing and even one person might be doing something that's even different, which is great. 
Well, I uh, I just recently was trolling Danny from Heritage Barbecue <laughs> because he uh, he got on this food beast thing, which is like I a million follower, yeah. crazy. You know, uh, they they just do these videos that blow up. They're like viral food, but I, I was talking shit because I was like. Bro, now you got to cook forever. Like you, everyone's <laughs> gonna expect you. You know, exactly. I, I, yeah, I, I talk about Aaron Franklin in that way too. Like he's almost cursed. He can't. He can never. There's people who are planning years from now yep. to go eat his food. So I, that's why I told Danny. It's like, oh shit, I didn't yep. even think about that. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, forever, dude. You're gonna be cooking barbecue forever. But yeah. it's like a blessing too, because yeah. it's no one would put that much work into it unless they loved it. Yeah. And like you're, I mean. I've seen days where what you got three hours sleep. Sometimes you stayed up two days straight. Like you, you, you've put some serious hours into it. Is, was there ever a time where you were just like, fuck this. I'm going to go like, you know, work a line six hours a day. Oh no, no, no. it was either. I was going to do barbecue. or I was going to go back home and become a teacher again. Nice. <laughs> it was, it was just one of those two things. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I think I, you know, I tell this to everyone. And, uh, when I, when I was younger, the two things I wanted to do is being a teacher and coaching football while being a teacher. Nice. Which I did, you know, before I got here. And so to me, I was already doing everything that I wanted to do. Uh, but this barbecue thing just kind of came up and it was kind of, I couldn't do all three. You know, I was doing, I was doing all three for, for three years uh, during the summers. And it was just, I was like, I have to make a choice, you know, of I need to sacrifice one thing for Well, and, you know, it wasn't like you didn't, did you take a long time to decide to come to Texas? You kind of just jumped in the car, right? Uh, I, the, I got here January of 2018. Uh, I think I decided during that summer or that spring. Uh, at that time, I was, I was taking classes because I was trying to get a different degree, and during those classes, I decided, I don't know if I want to do this. Yeah. Uh, and at that time, we had a pop-up that was uh, different from anything we had we ever done. Uh, we did it outside my backyard. We did it at, at like, a, uh, like a culinary bookstore kind of place. So they had that entire setup with the kitchen. And that was the first time I had like, like Instagram people there to eat my food. Yeah. And so when that kind of went out, I was kind of like, oh, like, I guess this is something. This isn't just, uh, it could be more than just a hobby or me just feeding my friends or uh, my family, you know, every weekend or so during the summer. And when I saw that that was a possibility, I was like, you know, this is probably the only time I could do this. Um, oh, and, uh, yeah, I was, it just got to a point where I had to make a decision of, um uh, Either I'm going to continuously not pay, play it safe, but, you know, I can still keep doing what I love, which is teaching and, co and coaching, or I can try to do something different and uh, decide why not. And was, did you have the job before you came or you just, uh, you just gunned it down here? No. So, so this is the, this is the intro. I guess this is kind of how like the story begins. Yeah. But, uh, uh, so as soon as like that summer uh i i came in and uh, i talked we had a new director uh and i just told him as soon as like probably a month after we school year started i told him i walked in his office i told him hey uh i'm not going to be here next semester uh, and i already had decided that i was going to move to texas that i was going to move to austin specifically and um 
I was just going to try to find something. And so <laughs> during that time, the three places that um, I had emailed, because those are the only places that I really knew about that time, were Franklin, La Barbecue, and Louis Miller's. Um, I was playing phone tag with Wayne forever, and then it just kind of <laughs> didn't happen. He's a busy uh, guy. Yeah, uh, a lot of bar barbecue. We had back and forth. didn't work out. And then at that time, Franklin had that fire. So I was like, all right, that's not going to happen. You uh, got pigeonholed into, yeah. like, one place, dude. <laughs> right. And then so then after that, like, it was like, oh, no, these are the only places I know about. And so I was thinking, so then I had to find my next round of barbecue places that I didn't know. I didn't really know anything about the barbecue yeah. restaurants in Austin at that time. And, but I just heard about Leroy and Lewis. They won food truck of the year that, uh, during that time. And I was like, oh, it's a barbecue place. Maybe I should check it out. Uh, and then I haven't even, I haven't heard of Terry Black before, but I was like, oh, I remember, I recognized the last name Black. So, yeah, yeah. so um, I, I uh, emailed both places. Uh, I think I talked to Evan, and I told him that I was going to be coming down in December just to, you know, see every uh, see all these Barbie places. And so he told me to come down. Um, and when I t uh, when I emailed Terry Blacks, uh, so the owners are Mike and Mark. Uh, yeah. So uh, when I first emailed saying like, "Hey, I'm planning to move to Texas in December," and I told him kind of like my mini life story. Uh, uh, Mike actually said no, <laughs> so uh, so I so I just got so I just emailed back saying you know I'm gonna be in Austin in December anyway I'll just drop by just so because I've never been there, and as soon as I uh, sent that one Mark replied and he said uh, come down let's meet anyway so I was very confused because <laughs> I had one guy said yes one guy said no I had no idea that it was owned by two twin brothers so yeah. I was I. I thought that, like, on, honestly, I thought they mixed up the name in the second email because I didn't know it was two yeah. different guys. Um, and uh, I came down. I met with Evan, and uh, it was great. But um, you know, I went with I went with Terry Blacks, and uh, the crazy thing is, I didn't meet Mike until two weeks after I had started working at Terry Blacks. Nice. So, did you figure out that it was him? That's oh like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. And then now we always joke because we always pull out that email when he said no to me. So just for fun. <laughs> Well, and it's just funny because the they're from Lockhart. So, yeah. like, their priorities, their thoughts, the way they interpret the world is, it's completely different. Yeah. Like, you were telling about someone who came in and they were they said they wanted a job in the pit room. And Mark was like, well, if you're going to open the pit, I'll yeah. give you a job right now. Right. And they couldn't, so yeah. he didn't get a job. Like, it's very black and white there. Yeah. And it's just funny because that barbecue kind of kills your ego. Like, oh, yeah. the people... I don't think there's really a lot in competition there is, but I don't think in Texas barbecue there's a lot of people who have a lot of fame that haven't put in the work. And you get, you almost need the camaraderie to get the respect, you know? There's very few people, you know, there, there, there's a few out there, but I won't name them, but there's people that, like, don't have any friends in barbecue. But 99% of the other people are all happy to see each other, happy to see what is happening and you know like you're uh you have a youtube video that's have you looked at it recently we should look it up and see exactly where it's at yeah i don't know i haven't looked at it in a while it was at half a million the last time i uh yeah, the last one. time i looked <laughs> well tell us about the video right now while uh, uh while I'm looking it up. well basically i wanted to one i had i didn't really people were asking me what i what i was doing at work because people <laughs> 
when I was when I was there, uh, the kids that I was working at at that time thought I was moving to Texas to flip burgers. That that that's their idea of what barbecue is. And so, um, oh, you're gonna cook burgers on a fire? Cool, <laughs> Texas. And, uh, that well, that there's kind of misconception of what I was doing and what the working a barbecue restaurant was. But I also kind of wanted to show without giving. Uh, I mean, there's no really secrets to barbecue anymore. But you know, I. Didn't, wasn't trying to give out any process or anything like that at a restaurant, but I just want to show what a typical day looks like, like what the hours look like, what yeah. the work is. 687,000 views, by the way. That's nuts. 680,000 more than I thought I would have. <laughs> but uh, yeah, That's it's, great, dude. I'm so happy. Yeah, it's just one of those things where I just wanted to give some a perspective of what it's like just because I didn't know what it was until I really got into it. And I... You know, I think being at Terry Black's the first the first time I was just not ready for it. I didn't know it was like that, and uh, yeah. you know, but I'm better for it. Yeah, but that's kind of the fun is like you get your ass kicked for a while, and then oh, all yeah. of a sudden you're like, wait, I can keep up. Yeah, and it's now I don't even know if I can keep up with what they're doing now because I, I talked to Mark last weekend. He said they they cook 233 briskets on a Saturday, which is insane, insane. Yeah, they're over a thousand a week now. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean that's, you know, there. It's not like there's place there. There aren't places doing that, but there's not a lot. No. And keeping that consistency and keeping a good product is, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. And they're, just killing it. It's yeah. just my default. Like anytime, because I live right around the corner too. So it's just like, anyway, hey, let's get barbecue. I'm like, yeah. I'll meet you. I always have to go when I visit Austin. Yeah. yeah, to. Yeah. Well, and but you know also like. Zach and some of the OGs are just there kind of holding it down. Like every time I'm there, there's someone's getting interviewed. Someone's getting, yeah. you know, they're always looking for people. There's probably over a hundred people working there now. Oh, yeah. That last time I went, I, I, we, I had to stop talking with Mike cause he had to interview two, two people while yeah, I was exactly. there. So, but so you shared this, you know, raw video of you cooking, uh, you know, it obviously got picked up by some YouTube algorithm, but it did because, I think it's very. I think it's an honest representation of what you're doing. Uh, when I moved to Texas, like I've always been interested in barbecue, but I really didn't know what barbecue was mm -hmm. until I was here. Do you have a insight into like, like you said, your friends all thought you were just cooking burgers? Like, isn't it? It's almost weird how little people know outside of Texas, like what this is. Yeah, uh, it's it's weird too because even. I think being in Austin is different than Houston, too, because I think most people in Austin, when they see a barbecue restaurant, they'll see that trailer outside or they'll know where the pit room is type of deal. And so they know the cooking process of what's going on there. But I still feel like people in Houston are still a little confused when they see that, honestly. Um, for example, like uh, when people wait in line, because as soon as when you're waiting in line, you can see our pit room because all of the windows and stuff. And, yeah. And there's still a lot of people who are still kind of like shocked and like, and there's one person in that group that always knows, like wants to be that person, like, oh, this is an offset. This is where the fire goes. This is how it cooks and all that kind of stuff there. And all like everyone else is kind of like, wow, like I didn't know they did stuff like yeah. that. And so, you know, I, I, it's crazy to think about that even people in Texas don't fully understand, uh, not that every single place has to have an offset, but that some people still don't know what it is, even with, you know, Franklin, all these places having such big names, you know, like known to cook on these type of smokers and all that kind of stuff. So, Well, and now that the Internet's out, that there's there's a lot of information traveling, but mm -hmm. it's still it's still so much less than you'd expect. I mean, when I yeah. moved here a decade ago, YouTube had just started. There wasn't as much visual, so... <clears throat> 
when you're sitting at one of these places, you just start realizing, oh, they, you know, it took me a, a few visits to like La Barbecue and some of the little places that were by me yeah. to realize, oh, this, this John Miller guy is like, that's why he's like so tired because he's, yeah. he's been up all night, right. you know? Or John Lewis, I used to come at like two in the morning and talk to him. I'd go out drinking and then I'd, I'd stop by La Barbecue because I'd just be riding my bike down the street and I could and smell there. it. And I'd be like, man. I always wonder because I haven't talked to him in a while. I was wondering if he remembers those like <laughs> nights where I just drunk like, I'm going to eat this brisket tomorrow. I'm so, and he's like, okay, dude. Like, <laughs> and I'm asking him the dumbest, you know, questions now that they sound stupid, but I didn't know. So I was just like, yeah. so where does the wood go? What kind of wood are you using? You know, yeah. stuff Typical that I. Typical barbecue questions. Yeah. Do you have a, do you have a favorite story of like, a, especially at Terry Black's, you know, they, they invite pit tours yeah. and there's lots of lurkers and I know. Some of those overnight shifts, you had to run off people. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I Honestly, I really enjoy giving pit tours. For o- sure. Only because that first trip that I took, the pit tours are the reason why I decided to actually move here. Uh, because the barbecue is great, you know, but it's, again, I got a glimpse into what type of people are in the barbecue business. Yeah. The first pit tour I ever got from was from... Wayne, which is fantastic, you know, and he kind of... He, he just happened to be there and just took you on a walk? Yeah, he was there, and we, I just, you know, at that time, I, I, I thought asking for a pit tour was a strange thing uh, that people don't ask, and I was going to be some guy, one guy who does it, but, you know, that's what they all do, because the, the reason why I knew they all did it is because <laughs> at all three places I went to, whether it was uh, Louis Miller, Franklin, and at, at La Barbecue, as soon as you say, oh, I'm here for the pit tour, you see the pit guy, all he does is go to the handle, open like this, waiting for the picture, and close it right away. You yeah. know? And so, um, but yeah, the first time I got to talk to Wayne about what I was doing in my backyard, and he was just super supportive. Uh, and then when I went to Franklin, the first time I got a, a, a pit tour from Braun, which is fantastic. It was great. And Master like, of his craft. Yeah. Now he, I mean, I, I, I mean I've been in barbecue for, uh, for a little bit, but I still get like, starstruck whenever i get likes from certain people you know wayne for example braun always like comments on things i'm like oh my god like this is cool um and then like i said when i went to uh, la barbecue that's when i first met dylan so uh it was just three great guys the first time i went and i was like i want to be part of it you know? yeah you want to be in the scene yeah and it's i mean wayne's just so cool like wayne's yeah. just he could be hard to get to he could be a lot of things but he's accessible he's friendly he's encouraging i mean he's he's so ready for everyone to to eat more barbecue to cook more barbecue and i think that that's that's why that's why it grows is because they people want growth you know they don't want they don't just want their place to be the best or their thing to be the thing and i think it's beautiful too because you know, you you coming to Houston, some of the guys moving around, it's like, it's cool to see y'all getting to visit with each other and getting, you know, like you, you probably have met a whole bunch of other cooks and oh, yeah. been to a bunch of restaurants now that you just get to be in Houston for a while. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've had so many opportunities in, uh, in Houston just working at Truth just to, I mean, we were talking earlier about the Beyond the Pit uh, event yeah. and just, I mean, I've known of these guys or seen videos of them but to actually meet them was like like i said those starstruck moments like that's sure. it you know and uh 
<laughs> I was telling I was telling Bert when we were in Chicago, I was like, dude, I used to watch your video on YouTube all the time. <laughs> and then we were just working together that one day. So it was like super cool for that. Uh, I remember watching a video on Elliot Moss and how he got started and his like background in Chick-fil-A and then he's doing this. I'm like, I get to cook a hog with him. Like, this is super cool. I mean, even like cooking briskets at Truth, I'm like, I get to cook brisket with, uh, you know, Leonard Patel the fourth. I'm like, sweet, yeah. you know? Um, and so, you know, just so many opportunities to work with so many people. And it's been, it's been great. And give us some highlights from Windy City. It sounds like it was just a huge party. It's something uh, I, I missed out on, unfortunately. Yeah, but. I think, I mean, it was just cool because I had no idea how big this thing was. Um, and I, I visited last year because I've been was there and I happened to be at, uh, be home during the summer. So he just told me to come, and I had no idea what this event was. So I just <laughs> went, and it was huge. Uh, and then this next one, uh, you know, I was only there for a day last year, but this one being able to cook for it was super cool. Uh, just being able to cook briskets for Chicago, and there are a lot of people who are coming back to our booth saying like, "This is the best brisket here." And I was just like, "All right," like I feel like I don't know, just kind of. Felt like I was coming full circle, like cooked in Texas. Now I'm cooking brisket at home. People like it. Like yes. <laughs> Do you think? Did you see any kind of? You know, I think people paid. Everyone bought food, right? It was like a free event, but you bought the food. No, they had to buy wristbands to get in, and they had to buy. And they food. had to buy the food. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but at the same time, people are coming there for barbecue. They're coming there to see Texas people. Mm -hmm. Do you? Did you still see a sort of, like? lack of understanding or did pretty much everyone know what brisket and all these things are when you got I there i think people knew i think people now know what what brisket is and they understand the lean cut and the fatty cut they understand they know the lingo now because yeah. it's just out there um but to to actually eat it when it's really good i think is still something that they're not used to yet. yeah it has to kind of come to them yeah yeah uh and hopefully that's what i hope to bring to chicago soon so yeah yeah you got any any details or anything you want to tell us about? Uh, I, I don't know quite yet um, what the future looks like. Uh, I know that I mean people are asking me if I'm going to stay in Texas. No, because uh, I, I, to me, my community where I want to be is back in, back home in Chicago. So I always told people, you know, regardless of if I'm going to do barbecue or if I'm just going to go back and go back to teaching, like uh, it's. It's just I, I, I want to be back home, uh, yeah. and uh, you know if it ends up not being a barbecue restaurant in the future because it's just too difficult to do, then I'm just really happy I was able to do this. Um, but at the same time, I am definitely trying to do something in Chicago as well. Well, and I think it's cool to you know you have a connection to your hometown, you have a connection to Chicago in general, and there is. You know, it's not like missionaries or something, but there is like a desire for people to bring this to where it isn't because yeah. it's, it. I mean, it's harder to cook it here because there's so many places to compare it to. Right. right. But at the same time, it's even, it, it's its own difficulty going to a new city. And, you know, even the guys on the West Coast, there's a dozen mm -hmm. barbecue places there and people are still like, I don't get a plate. Like, what right. is this? How, wait, what, what do I do? The, should I use a fork? Do I use sauce? Right. Do I not use sauce? And I'm sure you know you don't have a necessarily a specific opinion because i feel like that stuff's all just like hyperbole when people are like no sauce no yeah. forks i mean it's i <laughs> i used to, well initially when i first started cooking barbecue and i started cooking briskets i didn't want people to use sauce in the stuff that i had and i had one friend who brought sweet baby rays to my house and i was like no this is not gonna happen 
And so I just, uh, I, I just started working on a sauce recipe. And uh, uh, when I was in my sleep-deprived state, and I had been like awake for 20-some hours, and I just gave a name to that sauce, and I just named it uh, If You Must Sauce. And the reason why I called it that is because when people will say, should I put sauce in this? I would just sigh and say, if you must. So. <laughs> well, definitely, it's kind of like the, the pho we had here earlier. I, yeah. I tasted it before I added things to right. it. And I almost regret, I put a little too much sriracha in it, and I regret that now. <laughs> um, not because of the heat, but just because it took away from the delicious pho broth. Yeah. But it's true, like, you can do whatever you want, but I would always taste it first. Oh, yeah. For sure. Or like, especially at Terry Black's or some of the places like uh, Corey has that little little uh, like grip of uh, sauces that he has, and you guys have some hot sauce of truth too. Like, it's not like I'm gonna eat the whole brisket, but I, I might dip it in a little right. sauce, just yeah. see what it does. Yeah, and I think one of the things that I, I don't I don't really necessarily just want a sauce that just tastes good on its own. I want it to taste good with the meat itself, without it without risking the brisket tasting like just the sauce. You know, it's kind of, it's like pairing food with a side or a drink, whatever you want it to complement each other. So um, I, I think there are certain sauces that are a little bit too sweet or some that are like yeah. overly savory that can't, you just kind of mask everything. Kind of like when you're eating chicken nuggets and you dip it in sauce and you really only taste the sauce on top, you know? Uh, so I just don't want to make a sauce that makes the meat a vehicle to have more sauce. So. Yeah, and... You know, it's kind of, it's like, like, crudo is a thing in other countries that's actually, like, about the thing. But here, it's just, like, a place to, to eat blue cheese and ranch. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's just, like, a delivery mechanism right. for the, like, overdone sauce. Yeah. So, do you see, you've been in barbecue for a while. You've seen the way people cook. Do you see the people changing that, that are eating it? Are you seeing... You know, that everyone's prices are having to go up. It's not a lot. You know, it's 50 yeah. cents a dollar a pound here and there because the price of brisket is, is flying up. Yeah. Are you seeing, uh, like, a push for other styles of cooking? You know, some people are saying that, you know, that there's going to be kind of a flip from steakhouses and brisket to, like, you know, brisket costing as much as, like, a nice steak because it takes way longer yeah, to cook. Yeah. Um, I think... I think that only happened when everyone fully understands why the cost of brisket is so much. You know, uh, it's it's hard not to like you don't want to charge more people, right? But it's kind of like the prices go up. There's so many hands that go in, go into cooking brisket that it's you can't do anything about it but to raise the prices. Um, and and, and y'all are getting big briskets. You oh always yeah. have those huge slices. Yeah, they're big. Is it from your experience? Are you getting less? loss or is it always the same amount of loss whether it's a 20 pound or a 10 pound brisket uh it's pretty much as i mean you're not getting any more loss it's just it just cooks differently i prefer to cook the smaller ones and the bigger ones but sometimes you just cook what you got well and truth is known for those huge i mean just like massive as big as my arm slices of brisket like that's just is that a is that a specific distributor you guys are just looking for the heavy ones no we when we first started we went through like every single distributor and every single brand and we were just finding briskets that weren't scalped like that was our number one so yeah uh, that's what we ended up with but um yeah in terms of like cost of brisket i think it's one of those things that i think well what i want to do in the future is i don't want to be cooking briskets forever uh yeah that's with most barbecue guys like uh, I think we've gotten to a point in barbecue where guys want to experiment with different cuts. They want to 
You've seen a lot more guys, even in Texas, who are starting to cook like over coals, like direct heat, which I think is great. Uh, it just adds a different texture, different flavor to it, but it also allows you to cook different types of cuts just because you're doing that. Um, and uh, I think brisket is just one of those cuts that just cooks so well on offset that everyone just defaults and say we have to cook brisket. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, there's only so many cows and there's only so many briskets and there's so many different cuts that are still yet to be used. And I think there's, I think barbecue is getting to a point where, yeah, you have to do this, the the regular stuff, the standard stuff well, just so that people can trust you to, for you to cook something different. But I think it's getting to that point. Um, like, like I said, one of the guys I talk to a lot is Evan, and he's one of the guys that, you know, they just do whatever they want. Yeah. Um, he only cooks is, brisket on the weekends. Right, and it's great. I, I think it's it, it just shows people that we're not going to, like, I don't, I want to be different too. Uh, I, I tell people all the time, like, if I want to just, do I want to just open a central Texas style barbecue restaurant in Chicago? I mean, maybe just to show everyone that I can do it, um, you know, just like any guy in Texas can, but that's not where I want to be stuck. Cause I think if people were to ask me, is my food better or worse than theirs? I'd say it's probably this, I want to say roughly about the same, but in terms of an experience, I would rather go to Texas. You know, I think the part of the experience of waiting the hot sun, being in the state itself, having the ability to go to this one barbecue place and then another one right afterwards. I think it's part of this kind of barbecue journey that most enthusiastic people like want to do. Like you're not just going to go to Texas and eat at one barbecue place and be like, I'm done. If you really love barbecue, you're going to try to cram as many places as you can. For and, sure. Uh, that's not necessarily something that uh, Chicago can offer. There's no real barbecue culture. And so uh, I think it allows me to kind of define what I think barbecue can be in Chicago, where it's not really a regular thing. Well, and when I cook, it's like the smoker's running. So whatever you bring over, I'm going to throw on there. And I think All that right. people don't realize how much, like just having a running smoker, you want to put oh, everything dude. on there. Yeah. I put pies in there. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I, I think it's most, I, I think most offsets, for example, like we're cooking we're finishing briskets one day, and uh, I had uh, we had some pork steaks in the walk-in that our distributor just gave us, and I just threw the thin pork ones, thick ones, thick ones. Thick yeah, they're like an inch and a half thick. Like snows? And, uh, yeah, and I was I didn't want to just smoke it because I was like I don't want this to be pulled pork, so I just yeah. threw it all the way in the front of the offset just to get a just nice sear it. on it, and it was great. And um, how long did you cook it for? I think like an hour and a half, maybe less. I don't know. It was my first time cooking. You flipping it a lot too? Uh, I think I just flipped it once just to get sear on both sides. But well, I also didn't want to open the pit while the brisket <laughs> Right, yeah. Uh, but it was just kind of one of those things where like while I was eating it, I was like, I don't know why more people aren't doing this. Uh, it's did just you check a, the temp or you did it by feel or what? Uh, I, I poked at it to see what the texture was and then I attempted to make sure it was safe. <laughs> so you didn't run it to like 200 or anything? No, no, no. I think it was like. 165 or something like that. Yeah, so um, right, at, right at safe time. Yeah, so it's just kind of one of those things where I'm like, this cut right here is eaten at a lot of barbecue restaurants every day, but it's never served this way. Right. And why isn't it? Um, do we have to default and cook it like this? Like, what if we introduce it in a different way or not brand it differently, but be like, hey, this cut is basically the same as that other one. But uh, we're just cooking it differently because it tastes different when you do it that way. Um, like, for example, like when I think about how brisket is thought about now, everyone thinks about it as 
on the smoker, on the offset, super smoky salt pepper, uh, lean side moist. Everyone knows that now. Uh, but when you look at how brisket is eaten in so many other places and other parts of the world, it's, you know, like we had in our pho, it was like cut up and made from our soup. Uh, <clears throat> and like Korean food, it's sliced really thin and then it's like you cook it in front of yourself. Yeah, and so, right in the middle of the table. Right. And so it's, there are other ways to use this cut too. And I, if, when I saw that, I was kind of like, well, what about the other cuts then? Uh, like, I love, I love the way that ribs come off of an offset, but at the same time, it's not necessarily, it, it's, everyone's ribs almost taste similar just because the thing that's different is the sauce that's on top, but we don't really necessarily play with the amount of temperatures or sear and texture because if it's always going to be wrapped up in foil, then it kind of always has that same softness all the time. And so um, that's what I want to explore a little bit more of is cooking temperatures, what it does to the texture, the flavor, uh, the flavor, the fat changes depending on how hot or how low you cook it. So, yeah. And isn't it, it's so interesting the way that the briskets render yeah. because I've, I see slices of brisket every day and a lot of them are missing, you know, you'll see a big chunk of fat. Yeah. And when you see that stuff, can you tell if it's like trim or render or is most of the time they just didn't trim enough fat off or a lot of it's like it's not quite cooked right? Uh, I, don't, I, I don't know exactly, but it's usually when, like if I look at a slice, whether it's ours or just a picture or whatever, I just try to, uh, there's always a category of things that, could be the problem and I think that's the thing that's uh, important in terms of someone who's really learning how to hone their skills and cook a certain cut of meat is when you if it's not perfect and you see that one thing like you have to be able to identify these are like the two or three possibilities not like like oh maybe it was a trim it was a temp it was a wrap it was too like there are a lot of factors in barbecue but if you're not able to hone in to say like it's probably one of these two or three it's gonna be very hard to really like focus in on like what's right and what's wrong about your brisket cook. And you're doing that so that the next time you can just change one thing, right? And yeah. Because you don't want to change more than one thing, then you don't know what the result right, is. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, I always say, I, I think most people now are pretty good about, like, cooking brisket. They, I think everyone has gotten really good at uh, holding temperature in their pit. Um, but it's usually, I, this is the same thing I, I talk, like, Leonard and I talk about all the time, like, the two biggest things i think when a brisket is not quite as good as it could be it's it has to do with trim or seasoning like the brisket might be cooked perfectly but that corner that wasn't rounded off or it was too thin it's just burnt so you have to like cut that part off when you're serving it or the cook was perfect the rendering of the fat was perfect but there just wasn't enough salt it's a big cut of meat and it's just kind of bland or sometimes you oversalt and it's just way too salty. And so it's really, like, to me, like, those are the big things. I think most people, once you can learn how to control the temps, most of the time you'll be able to get a good result. But I always uh, tell people you have to have two bad cooks of brisket until you figure it out right. Because, one, you have to – Two, yeah, two, two sounds at least, skilled. At least. <laughs> right, right, exactly. If you're perfect and you can get it down in three, but I always tell people you have to – overcook a brisket and then you have to undercook it and then find the middle ground to really hone in what you like because if you don't you're gonna if you're always scared of overcooking it and you just settle for undercooked brisket you're not gonna know you know what it could be until you kind of go 
above and below this what you're what you think that you really want uh, and that's the one thing I try to encourage our guys in the pit room it's like uh, you're not gonna get it right all the time and I tell them I mean I don't tell them to mess up I tell them if you mess up just know yeah, what know you why you messed up yeah um, and if you mess up and you don't know why, then it's bad. That, exactly. That's that's an issue. Like if I ask you what happened, you say I don't know. Then yeah, that's 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 an issue right there. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just repetition. That's all it is, and just being obsessed with details. Like uh, I I would figure that after like Aaron wrote his book and put out those videos, that everyone still be paying attention to those details. But some people still aren't, and uh, you know that's a, you know you have to pay attention to certain things. But don't you think that? however many videos and books you still have to cook dozens hundreds oh, yeah. of briskets oh, yeah. before you you can be as good as those guys that's why this master class like i think it's great yeah. because i i like anything that makes barbecue more accessible but at the same time you can very easily like it's the same thing when i first started the show i i was watching more youtube than i was creating and yeah. i was like okay i have to like make mine and then I can watch someone else's. Right. But, like, it's so easy to just watch a thousand videos on how to do it and never actually do it. Of course, yeah. Um, I, I think, um, I, well, like, again, I, I'm very, very fortunate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, again, I was, like I was saying, when I was sending those emails out to these barbecue restaurants, I was like, these, are, these people are going to think I'm stupid because <laughs> <laughs> I'm some guy, who I, and I, I told them, I was like, uh, I'm... I'm a teacher from Chicago. I do these pop-ups in my backyard, or yep. whatever. And to them, it's like, so what? <laughs> and uh, so to be able to go from that to being at a place where we cook so much, it's, uh, I don't know, uh, it's, it's insane. And uh, one of the big things, that, uh, one day I was just, because uh, when I was working at Terry Blocks and doing those brisket shifts, like when Dylan and I were working together, uh, we would both work double shifts on Fridays and Saturdays back to back. Uh, and we did that for, I want to say like five or six months or so. Um, so just from those two days alone, uh, like I think there's a lot of people who don't do full brisket cooks. Like I said, you got morning and afternoon, but we were there for the entire thing. And we were responsible for at least three pits. So that's 75 we put 26, so 78 briskets at least for one day. That four times a month with six months, I calculated we were, I was cooking over 3,000 briskets just in, just in that time. Yeah. And you, it's, you, can't, you can't replicate that unless you actually do it, you know? And, uh, and that's hundreds and hundreds, thousands of dollars worth of food. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's hard when you think about it because it's like, I don't want to mess this up, but I also want to make it better too. And it's like so much to risk all at one time but again once you cook you're making these calculated risks you know it's like okay well if it doesn't go right it'll, it should still be like at this level at, at least it'll hit our standard it might be slightly over or the bark might be slightly different but it's still where we want it to be it's not quite what i was looking for but i know that's not that option anymore so well and do you feel like even now, you're still learning, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, think, I think we all appreciate when, when I talk to Tootsie, you know, you've talked to Tootsie, too, and she's just as happy to learn new things as anyone else, which is, you know, if Tootsie can learn more, then we've all got learning to do. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 
but do you feel like if you were just given, you know, a pit, some good wood, some good meat, do you feel like you would cook, you know, if, if, if you didn't necessarily have to do it to someone else's restaurant, would you cook the brisket any differently? Would you cook it about the same? Or are you, are you still kind of tweaking every day? Uh, I'd probably cook it about the same. Uh, it's, I mean, especially if I'm cooking on a new pit uh, for the first time. It's really, I, like for me, I, I know where, at least the way that I like cooking briskets, I know what they should look like and feel like five hours from now, seven hours from now, 10 hours from now. So I have these kind of like markers that I need, I should be around that time in order to know that I'm on track. Cause if I'm not, then all right, if I don't hit that marker, but maybe it's a little bit behind at the five, five hour marker, then to, uh, within that two hours to the seven hour marker, I might have to cook a little bit hotter or I have to cool it down or whatever. So it's kind of like, you just have to recognize certain patterns that you see throughout on uh, all your cooks. But uh, so speaking of cooking, you know, there's a lot of people that are listening to this and cooking right now. Mm-hmm. People are driving to work, people who, who work in pit rooms, people who maybe have never cooked before, but they just love hearing from all of it or yeah. they dream of cooking the perfect brisket. Uh, what's your message to the, the people out there, the barbecue enthusiasts that love it, that have come from down the street or across the world to Truth or Terry Black's to eat your food? Um cooking it obsess over it you know i think brisket is one of those cuts now that a lot of people are good at but it's just everyone's putting so much time to cook it um pay attention to the details focus on trim first uh controlling temp will be will come (laughs) you know that's one of the things that i I think most guys that do barbecue do really well is control temp uh but prep i think is the biggest thing with brisket um but uh yeah, just have fun. I took a survey of the SS Pit Crew guys, and I said, would you rather have great meat and uh, a tough fire or, like, a good pit that runs well and just okay meat? And they all said, you know, the fire, having a good fire, is the that's the secret. For sure. Sure. I mean, you can, when meat's a little bit different, doesn't have as much, the quality's not as great, you just pull it differently. That's, that's it. It should still be good, though. Well, Joe Yim, Mighty Joe Yim, YouTube star, yeah. uh, you know. You're 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 killing it. Uh, we can't wait to see what's next. We'll be checking in with you as much as possible. And uh, I heard you might be in Austin this weekend for a few things. Oh yeah, I'm coming for that Chud's fried chicken. So oh yeah, the Chud's fried <laughs> chicken. So this will come out after that. Yeah. But uh, hopefully we'll check in with you there. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time, man. I know right. you don't necessarily get a lot of sleep these days. So it's part of barbecue. It's <laughs> part of it. All right. Well, thank you. Right. Hey, come in and meet, man. Y'all will see me eat, man. Hit on the meat man, y'all to see me eating now. I got jaws like a bear trap, a teeth like a razor. I made tack tongue with a sensitive taster. I was born out in Texas called the land of beef. Never catch a muscle green to show the hell that like a meat on the meat man. Y'all to see me eating now.